0: Bukki South Coast, Tim Weisberg, along with the silent assassin, Matt Costa, tonight. Good evening, Matt. How are you? I think I have you right, Mike. I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, yeah, I did. Nice. And uh, we are here to talk about the paranormal, as we are each and every Saturday night broadcasting live on WBSM and also on WBSM.com, on the Radio Pup app, Radio P-U-P, Radio Pup app, if you want to utilize that app. To listen to the show, you can do so by downloading it and searching for WBSM. And also streaming live on Spooky TV, which is now at YouTube. It's, you know, we tell everybody to go to SpookySouthCoast.com to get it because we need the web hits. But it's streaming to you live through the power of YouTube. Matt has been spending weeks and weeks working on perfecting this, and we're, we're getting closer. Right, right. But uh, we, we have the opportunity now with YouTube to have the live chat room back, which I know a lot of people are excited about and have been taking advantage of. So you can go to our YouTube page, youtube.com slash user south coast or just go right to SpookySouthCoast.com and you'll be able to watch the live video stream and jump into the chat room as well. And if you do go to any of your other devices, you know, if you use your smartphone, your tablet, whatever, and you go to the YouTube app, I believe you still have the chat option while it's live.
1: Yeah. Yep. yep. So, so if you it doesn't, go to the app, you can, um, I think there's like a little drop-down area that you can just scroll up, actually, to swipe up, and then uh, you can uh, chat away. See, that's, a, that's the issue, though, that you have with having uh, these
0: cameras on all the time on the screen is you don't have the, the chance to, like, switch to another shot while you're adjusting cameras. Right, right. <laughs> it's all right, though. It's Okay. It works. It looks good. I think it looks great. And uh, you can, of course, uh, join in to the program tonight by calling in 508-996-0500, 877-996-1420 if you want to call in toll-free. Those are the ways to call in. But if you have points that you want to get across but you don't quite know if you want to call in or not, you can text us at 67664. Just make sure you start your text with WBSM so that it filters into us, but you can text to us whatever your thoughts are. You can also tweet us either directly at SpookySC or you can just use the hashtag SpookyLive and we'll be able to follow it that way as well on, on the Twitter machine because we, we set it all up for that way. So we try to make it as interactive as we can. Oh, also, you can email us too, spookycrew at com. I always forget about the email. I do, so too. It's, it's, like, a, it's, like, so archaic now compared right, to all these right. other ways we have. But it's, have. like,
1: the only one that's, like, really stuck around through through and through. <laughs> it's probably the most reliable
0: right. of all the ways. Uh, but we, And we still get emails every week from all over the world. Uh, we recently got an email from somebody who listens to us in Australia. And it always fascinates me when people... Around the world, are listening to this little paranormal show from this little corner right, right. Of, of Massachusetts. I want, I
1: want more listeners from Australia, just because I love their the different words and stuff that they, they include. I, I do.
0: I, we get a lot of emails from people in the UK, and I get a lot right. of Facebook messages Great. from people in the UK. I have no idea what they're talking about half the time,
1: <laughs> and we're speaking the same language,
0: which is what makes it even
1: funnier. Right. But, but uh, I, um, was it the last email from uh, from Australia that uh, someone? Uh, uh, Somebody called us a word. You guys are straight, like, bangers? And I was like, I don't even know what that is. Well, I just watched Boys in the Hood this afternoon, so I think, I think that has a different connotation. I thought, I thought it was, like, some Australian slang or something. Well, I know, aren't bangers in, like, the UK, aren't they sausages? Yeah, well, I was hoping that we weren't... He, he didn't call us a bunch of sausages. I would hope not, because uh,
0: we we would be... I guess we would be offended, although, you know... Sometimes if you see me in a in the right T-shirt, I look like a sausage. <laughs> and speaking of T-shirts, I want to throw this out there for people because I've been meaning to mention it for a couple of weeks now, and I just haven't gotten around to it. You know, we, we've mentioned it before on the show, but I just feel the need to, to bring it back up uh, just so that we can kind of clarify a little bit for people what exactly we mean by this. But a long time ago when the show started over 10 years ago we would feature paranormal groups here on the show we would have you know it was almost like just being in a paranormal group was enough to bring people on as a guest but as the paranormal community grew then it became more of a situation where if we
1: did it we couldn't do it for one and not for the other right it's like uh, it's like when you're you're in uh, in school and you have like a pack of bubblegum with like five pieces. Right, And yeah. like you have to consider, you, you, can't, you can't give it to the whole class or so you have to give it to nobody.
0: Right, exactly. And that's kind of the situation. When we first started doing the show, there was like maybe two paranormal groups in the area and maybe a handful across our corner of, of southern New England. So it was easy to do that. It was easy to give everybody their chance to come on mm-hmm. and and let people know about them. But then as, as the numbers grew, it just wasn't feasible and... The stories all kind of sounded isn't, the same, right? Isn't
1: it? Isn't it, uh, isn't it weird? Um, kind of thinking back now that we had to, we had to actually go out and search for paranormal groups. We had to search for like the, the Capers meetings. We had to like, go out. We and, like, find, go and find We had to physically go and find people, right? Yeah, I'm, and now we just go on Facebook and we're like, "Hey, how's it going?" <laughs> right?
0: Yeah, exactly. Where people are actually finding
1: us right. instead and asking to come
0: on, but. Um, I still remember when the day that you sent me, um, uh, uh, I guess it was an email. You must have sent an email and said, hey, have you heard of this Bridgewater Triangle thing? And you sent me a link to Chris <laughs> Pittman's old website. Yep. And I said, oh, that's pretty interesting. We should probably do something about that on this paranormal show that we're putting together. And we'll be launching in a couple of months. So we, I think it was like the third or fourth episode, we, mm. we decided to cover the Bridgewater Triangle. And mm. now it's an annual thing. Right. And now
1: it's a huge part of our show and right. a part of our world. And so many people look forward to it each year.
0: But it's just—it's funny because, like, it was just. Well, you said we had to go out and find these things, and you know, um, we we had Penny Dreadful on an early show because you found a flyer
1: at a comic book shop. Yeah, yeah, I just like advertised on the and show. I was like, this it seems like it's pretty cool, and it's local, and it's yeah. <laughs> but now
0: it's, uh, now it's easier because we don't have to go out and search for it, but it's also harder because we have to kind of pare things down a little bit. So because we no longer feature paranormal groups as guests on the show, now we will sometimes bring groups or people from groups on if, if it's a topic. So if you want to pitch to us that you want to come on the show as a guest, you should really be pitching to us a specific topic, a specific case, you know, you shouldn't be like, oh, we've been doing this for 10 years, and we've got some really good EVPs that we could play. Like, fine, that might work for some other shows, but for us, we try to be fair. And with that in mind, you know, we, we don't want to just keep regurgitating the same stuff. I know that what you caught is awesome. I know that what you caught is profound and amazing. But it's still going to sound the same to the listeners as hearing any other group talk about it. So, but we still want to be able to feature paranormal groups. We still want to be able to get the word out there about them. So, I know a lot of you out there—you have your own gear, you know, your own shirts and sweatshirts and hats and all that stuff. If you want to send them to WBSM, we will wear them during the Spooky TV show. And you can contact us, Spooky Crew at SpookySouthcoast.com. Let us know in advance that you're planning on sending some stuff for us to wear during the show, mm-hmm. and we'll let you know what sizes if it's a shirt or whatever and we'll give you the address of where to send it and then we will wear it. I I will promise you that we will wear it for at least two shows I think I can firmly make it not in a row you know right. because like sometimes it takes us a while to do laundry
1: but I can right. firmly commit that you know we'll at least wear it I uh, I will um refrain from doing laundry and wear it for four consecutive shows Really wow do, that, that's a commitment <laughs> You could just do laundry during the course of the week, but let's not, that's not uh, <laughs> get pushy here. All right, I, I
0: don't mean to push my uh, my rules of cleanliness on
1: you, but
0: I, I I think that would be a fair way. You think you think wearing it for two hours uh, justifies a wash? That's true. That's Come a good on. point. See, it's a good point by you. But uh, if we took, if we took the shirts or the hats and we wore them, uh, that would give you some promotion on screen. We would also, of course, give you a shout out during the course of the show so it shows up on the audio podcast. And we could even put a link up. We can put a link up on the the YouTube stream, right? 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 Yeah, I see you have, you know, uh, look at the screen right now on the YouTube channel. We'll put your logo up there. You know, they can just send us the logo. We can load that in, right? Yeah. Not a big deal. So plenty of ways to be able to, uh, to be able to get in touch with us if, you want to reach out and let us know that you need us to help you kind of promote your group. That, I think that's a fair way of doing it because then, you know, it's we're just going to promote whoever sends something in. So we're not picking any favorites. The opportunity is there for everybody. That sounds good. And well, plus
1: we get a lot of free clothes out right. of the deal. We'll try not to wear the, the same ones all the time. Like Yeah. Like we're not, we're not going to show favorites by wearing like, Right, you know, one group's right. Unless you, you, you guys, if any group like sends like some athletic fit T-shirts, I, I might not be able to wear them. Right, <laughs> there's nothing athletic like, about the I, the. I will wear it probably. I'll, I'll. It'll be like the grandmother at Christmas rule when you get the the clothes from your grandmother. You wear it one time in front of her.
0: Exactly. <laughs> but I will say this: How worried are you that in the paranormal world, people are purchasing athletic fit?
1: I guess that's true. I guess that's true.
0: I think they're going for what's the least athletic fit that you have? (laughs) No offense
1: out there to anybody, I'm I'm in that same boat, but I just I I, I just I just I'm just worried about things accentuating my curves. (laughs) (laughs) That's all. That's all I'm saying. I will wear whatever you want. Well, my niece tomorrow is but having... Just don't judge me because the spooky TV adds 10 pounds. But
0: <laughs> my niece is having her birthday party tomorrow, and uh, and she wants a superhero theme because apparently oh, cool. she's hugely into Ant-Man right now. Nice. So everybody has to wear, like, Paul a Rudd? superhero T-shirt. Huh? Paul Rudd? <laughs> Paul Rudd, yeah. Yeah. So uh, we had to go out and, uh, and get some shirts, so uh, my wife got me a, a nice Deadpool shirt. You know, the only problem is, it's a little bit smaller than I'm used to wearing, mm. so I have to like commit to wearing this. Like, it's not too small, but you know how I am—I like my shirts baggy, you know. Mm-hmm. So I, I have to like make this commitment to wearing the right, shirt. So for sometimes her birthday, it's like
1: so. the cut like goes underneath your armpit a little bit, and it gets—it's just a little cumbersome to like, I don't know. You need to bust a groove sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh,
0: exactly. I was like that with my Hawaiian yeah. shirts yeah, I, I on the cruise. Know. I don't know
1: about you, but I have a little swagger when
0: I walk. Hawaiian shirts fit differently <laughs> than T-shirts. And I felt very weird in my Hawaiian shirts because I felt like I wasn't as free as yeah. I would have been in, in a, a regular that's, shirt.
1: That's weird because most people who wear Hawaiian shirts are pretty, uh, pretty fun-time guys. Right. Yeah, exactly. Right. They kind of restricted my fun time. Which, you know, speaking of the cruise... I just got booked
0: again for next year's cruise. Oh, glad you are. (laughs) Yes. I'm a man of the high seas now. So uh, we will be uh, heading out with Strange Escapes again uh, coming up next May. Uh, It's next Memorial Day weekend. Uh, It starts off in Salem, Massachusetts at the Hawthorne Hotel where there will be some meet and greets and some lectures there. And then uh, the next day we head out from Boston for Bermuda. So three days in Bermuda with some ghost tours included in Bermuda and... The way that it's going to be, because we're spending two nights in Bermuda, one night part of the group will go out and do the ghost tour, and the other group has time off, and then the next night we switch. So what we're going to try and do is we're going to try and put together I am. I mean, this is separate from the cruise package, but uh, and I haven't mentioned this to Tenny yet. But I'm going to drag him along. We'll see if we can kind of come up with something else we can do. Where we're doing some some serious investigation in Bermuda at the same time. There's a lot of forts there, mm-hmm. a lot of haunted places. So we're going to see what we can pull together. The Triangle, the That That's that's the funny part about this is we're going to be getting lectures about being in the Bermuda Triangle as we're going through the Bermuda Triangle. So it's going to be cool. If ever there was yeah. a, a cruise ship that would disappear, would be the one full of paranormal researchers. <laughs> And then we'll come out on the other side 75 years later with all the answers for right. it. So that's coming up. You can go to strange com if you want to take part in that. And if you want to... Stick with something a little bit more local and a little bit sooner. Coming up on July 30th, we have our next Legend Trips event. It is uh, the Spirits of the Murdoch Whitney and Isaac Morse Houses. We will be investigating two historic mansions right across the street from each other in Winchenden, Massachusetts. And uh, you'll get the chance to go all through the Morse House, which is like 22 rooms. uh, I mean, all through the... uh, Murdoch-Whitney House, which is like 22 rooms, and now the Morris House is part of this as well. So two big places, plenty of room for everybody, and some really, really strange activity that's been happening in the Murdoch-Whitney House over the years. And now with the Isaac Morris House, we can't really talk too much publicly about it. There was a suicide there in 1990, and uh, that seems to have left a lot of effect on that house. So there's plenty of paranormal stuff going on in both houses. We'll be investigating both of them coming up July 30th. And you can get your tickets at legendtrips.com if you want to go there and take part. And, of course, you'll be helping us keep these historic places running. Uh, we've raised about $30,000 over the years doing these events. So thankfully, all of you out there have been the ones that have really done that. So big big applause out there to everybody who goes on board with the Legend Trips. Uh, again, LegendTrips.com if you want to take part. It's happening July 30th in Winchenden, Massachusetts, which isn't that far from the New Hampshire border, and it's not really all that hard to get to. Uh, but if you are going to buy tickets, do it soon, and then book your hotel room soon, because there's not a lot of hotels and motels in the area, so you want to make sure that you secure a room before they're all gone. So that's just my advice to you. Otherwise, I'm just going to drive home that night, you know, so maybe maybe people will do the same. It's not that
1: far from here. It's like two and a half hours. Yeah, I seem to remember uh, when we went up there. It wasn't it Wasn't too bad of a drive. And if you are going to make the drive,
0: you know, trust me, you'll be amped up enough after a night of investigating that you'll be able to drive home. Although I never make it. I always fall asleep even when I'm driving.
1: Now, is that that's the 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 town that they only have one uh, motel? That was the one. Yeah, where we had to bring Chicago okay,
0: yeah. back to the motel and. Uh, yeah, that's. <laughs> but there's other ones like within a 20 minute. Drive the first, from there. first
1: time we were there, the um, the we only had access to the main to the main house. Right, just to the Murdoch Whitney. So that's that's great that there's uh, another place to investigate. Yeah,
0: two big mansions, plenty of room, and uh, and like we had plenty of weird experiences in the Murdoch Whitney house, and. People have been going there and having events and investigations since, so all kinds of stuff has been stirred up. And now the Morse House, only a handful of people have been in there to investigate it so far. So we're really going to be like one of the first big, big events to happen there. So it should be a good time. Uh, What I'm most excited about this summer, though, is we're supposed to get into Maplecroft, Lizzie Borden's house from After the Murders. Uh, We're supposed to get the chance to kind of get in and, and take a tour with the new owner. Uh, Christy said that when she's up here working on it, she's going to let us go in there and check it out. And then we may be, we have to discuss it with her, but we may be able to hold a future event there. But for now, we just kind of want to get in and see what's going on and kind of convince her into letting us do some paranormal research in there. So hopefully that will be coming up as well.
1: So it should be a fun That would be great because, I mean, that's a, that's been a, a, a popular topic, uh, at, like, on the tour at least.
0: It's one of the two houses that I most want to get into. To investigate for the paranormal. I think you can guess what the other one is that I want to get into more than anything in the world.
1: Is it the the one that was up for
0: sale this week? Yes. Ah. The the Amityville house, which I know that by saying Amityville now, all the cameras are going to go dead. And, <laughs> you know, every time we talk about Amityville here on Spooky South Coast, something goes wrong. So we'll just leave it out there that you know. We know that this is going to happen. Uh, to all of you people watching on Spooky TV, on YouTube, uh, I apologize if things start to go haywire, but I, I had to say that word. So the house is up for sale. We tweeted it out. Uh, we put it up on uh, on our Facebook page as well. It is back on the market, currently listed for $850,000, which is $100,000 less than it sold for. Uh, I think it was like, what, six or seven years ago? Mm-hmm. So uh, it's now eight hundred fifty thousand dollars. It's five bedroom, three bathroom Long Island home at one hundred eight Ocean Avenue, which, as we know from the Amityville horror, it was originally one twelve Ocean Avenue, but they changed the addresses because they wanted to try to keep tourists away, and they changed the way that the house looks on the outside, so it doesn't look exactly the same. Those uh, famous windows are kind of gone, but it's a it's a Big, big house built in 1927. It's right on a canal. It has a boathouse. So there's lots of reasons why it's $850,000. It has nothing to do with the fact that it's the Amityville house. I mean, that's kind of the asking price right. for any it's of the houses in the It's just a nice house anyway. It is. In a very affluent section of Long Island. Originally, it was listed at more than a million dollars when it was sold uh, back in uh, 2010 but it ended up going for 950000 and now the current owner, Carolyn D'Antonio she wants to get rid of the house because her husband passed away and she's going to move into a condo and she doesn't need all this house anymore so there's a big process going to go through getting into this now because so many people want to get into it that they have decided that they have to uh, limit who they let in. So they took the media in for a tour a couple of days ago. And now if you wanna purchase the house you have to go through this big pre screening process to see if you are a serious and potential buyer. So they don't want just anybody walking in there and, and taking this tour. You you need to go through a broker and you need to be pre qualified and have proof of funds.
2: Oh.
1: So oh, there's never there, mi- there, never mind, I'm out.
0: Well, I was going to say, there may be some friends of ours out there that are listening that uh, might qualify for this and might be willing to help us get into the place. Uh, I have long thought that it would be a perfect place for a bed and breakfast. I actually looked into it when it was for sale in 2010 and made some calls to see if it was a possibility. And from what I was told by people in the area, the neighborhood would never approve of it. It's not zoned for it. And to try to get them to change the zoning,
1: they would never approve it because they don't want tourists going to that house. Somebody in the chat room was asking if uh, maybe Zach Baggins will buy it. God, I hope not. <laughs> well, didn't he buy another uh, piece of property? He bought that demonic house in Indiana and then
0: leveled it. Oh, really? So I well, he was going to make a documentary about it. That changed. And he leveled it. And yeah, so this. so it was apparently leveled. That's what I thought I read somewhere. I could be wrong. Uh, and I could just research it really quickly, but I'm I'm too that's late. Fine. But I think I'm pretty sure that that's what happened. So now this right. house, if you want to buy the house, yep, and you can come up with eight hundred fifty thousand dollars. Do you know how much the property taxes are? I
1: don't uh, even want to think. Of
2: if,
0: it. if you bought a pretty expensive, if you bought like a right. three or four hundred thousand dollar house in this area, I think your property taxes would be around between like twenty five hundred and three thousand dollars a year. Mm-hmm. The property taxes for this house twenty thousand eight hundred and fifty six dollars last year. Wow! So basically, this the property taxes for this house are more money than I make in a year. Mm-hmm. So we would have to
1: like, and it's not zoned for uh, commercial, so you couldn't open a bed and breakfast, or, right? Like, you couldn't, and they, they would, they wouldn't, business. they would, they would fight and it, and they frown, they probably frown upon it as well. So you would have to have twenty
0: thousand, twenty one thousand dollars every year just to cover the taxes. I can imagine the insurance must be ridiculous because they're going to be concerned about people coming onto the property and taking pictures and the fact that it's right on the water, mm-hmm. you know, what if somebody falls into the water while they're sneaking onto your property? As stupid as it sounds, you could be held responsible for that. And uh, and of course, the other issue that they have is a lot of people because they can't get into the house by land, because you know the neighbors keep an eye out for trespassers, they come in on boats, and they try to dock there and sneak up onto the land and, oh, and yeah. take their pictures and everything. So that makes it even more dangerous because now you've got people running in and out of the waterway. Uh, so insurance is probably pretty high for that house. What can you do? I mean, if you buy the house you assume that you have the money to buy it because you want to live in a nice house on Long Island, mm-hmm. and you want peace and quiet. And I don't think you'll ever get it. Living in the Amity house? Right. And I'm not even talking paranormally. Ah. I just mean, like, you'll never get it from people not leaving you alone. There have been, from what I understand, no reports of any paranormal activity since the Lutz has moved out. Now, some people still feel that it's possible that it was the Lutz family that was haunted and that it just so happened that they moved into this terrible uh,
1: house where a terrible tragedy took place and that's why there hasn't been any activity yet or do you think they're just downplaying the activity just to because they want to sell the house well here's the thing though if you if you look at the stories
0: that are out there and you read some of the quotes from the uh, from the listing agent. I'm trying to see if there... I don't see any quotes in this story. I would have to go back to the one that we shared. So give me a moment and I'll go back and do that. Because there was some quotes in the story that we shared that made me say, well that's not what you want to say if you're trying to sell this house. Because you would think that you would want to have the... You know, you'd you want to kind of wash that reputation away as much as you could because there's more buyers who would be interested in it for the house and for what it is mm. than people who would be interested in it because of the Amityville Horror Connection.
1: So you think you'd want to be playing up to that. Uh, let's let's see if I can find... I mean, the only thing is you could... If you found that one person that was really into maybe true crime or like, something... Like me, if I had the that, that had the funds that would buy it. That's but that's a probably a niche audience.
0: Well, this is, this is the quote from from the, uh, from the realtor. Uh, the D'Antonios, quote, enjoy the house, O'Neill said, although their time there was not necessarily quiet. Tourists came and took pictures on the sidewalk, selfies, that kind of stuff. So it's not paranormal things that have happened, but it's having to deal with mm. the notoriety and, and infamy of that house.
1: Yeah. I, th- I think I would deal with it. It's going to be bothersome to a point. I don't know. It might be okay at the beginning. Well, it's twenty thousand. So Go out
0: there with an X. Twenty-one thousand dollars. Get off
1: my lawn. Twenty-one
0: thousand dollars a year in property taxes. So, a hundred bucks, you can come in and tour the house. Take all the pictures you want. <laughs> I think I could pretty much make up those property right. taxes. But then again, is,
1: uh, is the town going <laughs>
0: to... Don't let them know. They don't have to know. They're getting their check. But That's all is
1: The house is the historic? Is it, it's pretty old. Well, it's 1927. Well, so I guess it's, you could consider it historic. If Could they open it as a museum? Uh, probably
0: not. I would think not. Uh, only because the same... I think the neighbors would fight the same thing. Uh, you know, Because at that point, it's really what are you going to be a museum mm-hmm. of? You're going to be a Museum of the DeFeo Murders and the Amyville right, Horror and all right. that stuff. So.
1: so do you think the uh, the neighbors are just worried of um, like depreciating the value of their homes? Yes, being- absolutely. Uh, in yep. fact,
0: when I looked into it and I talked to some of the people from around that area, because I, I actually tried to get us into this house for um, Ghost Talkers mm-hmm. uh, when it was for sale. and then, Well, when the D'Antonios had just moved in, I, I started trying to get contact with them uh, to... Get access to the house for the show, and when speaking to some of the neighbors, they said that the some of the neighborhood people actually talked about taking up, uh, starting up a um, a corporation, an LLC, to purchase the house, to keep it in and placing it in some kind of a trust to keep it out of the hands of anybody else. So basically, the neighborhood would control that house, so that they would make sure that nothing happened to their property values. Hmm. But at over a million dollars they felt like it wasn't going to be worth it yeah that's uh that's a hunger change let me ask you this then and and i'll throw this question out there for the audience as well if you lived in the amityville house if you purchased it and bought it and put aside the neighbors put aside all of the the downside and the negativity of everything that comes through with it but if you lived in this house and you were free and clear to let people into that house if you so choose, would you feel like you had a responsibility to let people in? Because a lot of people complain about those who own haunted locations uh, have a responsibility to let the paranormal field come in and research it and Mm. come in and conduct investigations. And I I think that's bogus. I think if it's your place, you can do whatever you want with it. But would you feel comfortable if you live there in letting people come in and do that and, and how would you kind of try to control it if you if you could
1: i don't i don't think i would let just anybody i, I wouldn't feel a need that i um, to um let people into my home i mean i probably would here and there but i wouldn't but it would be like people like who if, are close
0: friends yeah and.
1: people like i if people were knocking on my door and being like hey can we come in and investigate because it's the amityville house i would just be like get off my lawn no, no, not at all. But um I mean, but if it was me, you let oh, me. Oh yeah. Well, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's, you, just, you bring things. Sometimes you open doors you can't close. That's true. Sometimes I do. But uh, I mean, even if it wasn't like something like
0: Amityville, like you know, just say the house that you live in right now, mm-hmm. and uh, and you found out that it had all kinds of crazy activity. I mean, you would you'd be very. You know, discerning in who you let come in because it, right. it's your home. It's your private space. You know, so it, it's I can understand why, like, when people own or, or control historic places, you know, they, they don't want to let just any Joe Schmo in. And there is kind of a screening process of who you should let in. And you don't know who to trust and who to allow. And we've seen plenty of stories of where it goes south pretty quickly, where, you know, places will be like, hey, whatever, we'll let anybody in, like the the S.K. Pierce mansion mean hmm. Gardner. You know, they've always kind of just let everybody come in and investigate. And that's had some good and some bad effects. So I think that that's something that, if I owned the Amityville house, I'd have to be very aware of. You know, who is coming in because they have a serious desire to research this particular case, and who's coming in because they want the notoriety of putting the Amityville horror on their paranormal belt? Hmm. I, I mean... For me, it's not that. It's not that at all. I've always been so
1: fascinated with that case that I want to get in there. Right. I, I can understand why um, maybe some places would charge people to do, like, an investigation of a historic place. So well, sure, of, yeah. It would kind of weed out, like, the knuckleheads. And not only that, but... Not that there's a lot of knuckleheads out there, but there are knuckleheads out there. You're
0: coming in and taking over somebody's home for, you know, 8 to 12 hours. Maybe they want to go out somewhere, and or maybe they're going to go stay in a motel or a hotel room or something, and you're going to foot the bill for them to be able to do that.
1: Right, right. I mean, you're you're uh, inconveniencing them, so you should kind of... I mean, I it,
0: it's the, the only thing that I would be afraid of is like you said, you never know like who's going to come in and what they're going to do. And I don't know if I believe that people are going to be able to come in and conjure up all kinds of negative entities. But also you don't know. like we, we don't, We're we not positive that that's not the case. So I would be a little bit concerned in the back of my mind about that. Now, uh, one of the interesting things about the Newsday story that we had shared out, which we got, by the way, from Amy Bernie, so just giving credit where credit is due. She's the one that gave us the story originally. But in going into the the Newsday story, let me see if I can find uh, exactly in... Oh, I can't see where the comments are on this one. But I saw the comments. Oh, here it is. Click to read the comments of the posts. And if you scroll down the comments, uh, about halfway down, you'll see Christopher Quarantino commented on the story.
1: That name sounds uh, familiar.
0: He is formerly known as Christopher Lutz uh one of the children who lived in the house during what was referred to as the Amityville horror and uh he just came in and and uh, passed on his condolences for the passing of uh, Miss D'Agostino's, uh this is that the name am i saying that right or am i just uh d'antonio i was like i'm going to tom very quickly <laughs> like when i said that in my house I was like, in my head i was like maybe they're related maybe maybe he can get us in. but um you know just offering up his condolences but I wonder, and this is probably a question I can ask him directly, but I wonder if he would go back in if he had the chance. And now that he's been around the paranormal community for a couple of years, I wonder if he would go in and investigate if he had the chance. Hmm. Because this is something that I have to do, and I've been putting it off for a while. But I want to go to the house that my aunt and uncle owned in Halifax that was very, very haunted. Hmm. And that led to a lot of my early experiences that got me interested in this in the first place. I heard from my family that the people, they knew the people that moved in after they had moved out, and they said that stuff was still going on for them. Now, somebody else lives in the house now, but the rumor going around is that they're still having activity. And I'm trying to figure out how do you just go and knock on the door? And bring this up. Or how do you just write a letter and send it to them? Hmm, I don't know. Hmm. Because, ideally, like, I would want to be able to come into the house, investigate, and bring, like, my aunt and cousin with me. Right. And kind of... And and see if we can trigger it back up. But then we're, we're basically, like, going in there and poking a
1: hornet's nest in somebody else's house. Right. And it's like, um... If you wanted to just kind of visit your old house anyway, not paranormal aside, it's still kind of weird knocking at somebody's house and being like, hey, I used to live here. Do you mind if I take a poke around? And they'd be like, "Uh, I don't know. I'm not sure if you actually really lived here or if you're going to come in and steal all my toilet paper. Well, one of the places
0: where I used to live is now a business. And I've tried to get in and check it out, and they won't let me in. (laughs) They're like, no, you're not coming in. I used to live here. They used to be in the bedroom. No. Not coming in. So, but... See, it's different when somebody is contacting you because they have activity going on. They want to have it researched. If they're reaching out to you, that's a different story. But how do you do I mean, maybe some people out there, maybe there are some investigators out there who have had this situation happen. Let us know how you handled it. Give us a call. 508-996-0500-877-996-1420. But... That's a good way to do it
1: right there. What? Knock on the door and just be like, throw out the numbers. (laughs) (laughs) If you ever want to talk about anything that's going on in this house, give us a call.
0: Right. uh, And and I talked with my aunt and cousin last week, and I I asked them if they would come on the show and if they would spend a night with us kind of just sharing the story of living there. And I don't know if it would be interesting for the listeners to go on that journey. But I think it would be interesting and cathartic for me. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it might actually even be better suited as a backyard podcast type show. Yeah, maybe. But uh, it's it's something that I kind of want to get into because if it's still there and if there is still stuff going on, why not? Why not jump into it? Why not let it pull us back in, so to speak? Maybe looking at it now with far more
1: experienced eyes might change some
0: of what we encountered there. I
1: mean, would they would they be comfortable to, to talk about this freely, or would, would it have to be... No, they would... They Would would, yeah. uh, would beer and bonfire have to be involved?
0: Well, the only reason I say maybe that would be easier is just because I don't know how nervous they would be to be on the radio. No. Oh. Like, I, I don't think that they would be shy about sharing the story. I just don't know if coming on the radio would, would kind of bottle a little bit up and they could speak a little bit more freely Mm -hmm. because you know whenever we're together inevitably the discussion turns to the paranormal and things that happen to them and things that still happen to them to this day in Mm -hmm. other forms so I know they're free to talk about it it's just a matter of whether or not being on radio might kind of censor them they might censor themselves a little bit but I try to tell them like no matter what I've, I've told the stories on the air yeah so it's not like it's going to be anything people are going to judge you on. They've, they've heard it. But there's there's a great amount of personal attachment that people have to a story that when you share it with other people, it can, it can work two ways. It can be cathartic because you're getting it off your chest and because you're letting them into the experience and you're letting them become part of that story. But also, there's uh, another aspect too of, it's no longer that special thing that happened to just you. If you're putting it out there, you know what I mean. Like by by sharing it publicly, it you don't own that experience anymore. You know, you've kind of contributed it to the world, and it and it changes maybe the way that you look at it a little bit. Hmm.
1: Like you mean you, uh, like after you're you're telling a story, you wonder if you told it you gave it you gave the experience justice
0: but not only that but like it no longer becomes just your thing like say there's like a certain place that you like to go and chill out and hang out Hmm. and you enjoy it a great deal it's it's like your place your your happy places as people (laughs) say and you tell all the people about it and they go too and it becomes their happy place But they're never there at the same time as you. So you always still... The experience of going there hasn't changed for you at all. But yet when you go there now, it feels differently. Because you know that other people have been there.
1: Right, I think I know what you mean.
0: But you made their lives better by telling them about it. Because now they have that place too. Mm. And even though you never get in, you never interfere with each other, it just doesn't feel the
1: same. Yeah, yeah, I think I... yeah.
0: You know, it's like everybody wants to tell everybody about some great new restaurant that they found or some great movie they saw, but then you lose that personalization of it, of it being your thing, once other people are like, I like it too. Yeah, it's great. Hey, thanks for that suggestion. Oh, I've been telling other people. You know, it's not yours anymore. And I think that that's kind of what can happen with sharing some of these stories. I think. Maybe I'm just a selfish person. I want to have those feelings for myself. I don't Maybe know. that's what it is. That's quite
1: that's possible. possible.
0: Drinking my soda on the air. <laughs> I, I th- also think that if we have the opportunity to go there and investigate, I almost would want to say I want to like broadcast it live at the same time. <laughs> but we have proven... Yeah. We can do that. We have so, proven over time, though, that when, when things start to go down on investigations, I probably shouldn't have a live microphone
1: <laughs> because I get a little potty-mouthed when, when stuff goes that's down. That's fine. As long as it's not over the uh, WDSM airwaves.
0: Oh, see, that's what I was thinking. Air. I was
1: thinking about broadcasting it over the airwaves oh. from there.
0: Maybe that's not the best way to go. Maybe we could record it and that's then kind way. of drop some beeps that's in afterwards. Way. Yeah. But this, I mean, this is uh, one of those... Moments where you look at it and you say, "Well, this is why I started doing this in the first place." So you would think that you would have to, you know, you'd have a responsibility yourself to try to do it. But then at the same time, I also am like, "Well, what if I go there and investigate it, or what if I go there and knock on the door and they tell me nothing's happening and, and ask me to go away?" So, you know, that's even worse, I think, because I'm going to wonder all the time if they would just telling me that to tell me that right but then if they do let us go in and investigate what if you do and, and nothing happens What if you go back another time and nothing happens
1: it, right it's, that's that's a that's a concern as well if you investigate and then like you said nothing happens but you only had one shot are you gonna live like you're gonna be like i know something it's yeah like, it's, and, it doesn't then, give you any closure yeah, and then you're going to be forever wanting to go back there, but you—it's going to be awkward again. Being like, "Hey, uh, I know you let me investigate last time, and I didn't get anything, but this time, it's going to be different." They're going to be like, "I don't know." No. Yeah, and <laughs> and that's one of
0: the questions that comes up, like with legend trips events, or whenever anybody pays to investigate a property, is what happens if you go? What if you spend, you know, whatever it costs, a thousand dollars? Five thousand dollars, whatever it might be, to rent out Waverly Hills for the night. You and your paranormal team spent the night renting out Waverly Hills. You've invested all this money, and you've controlled the situation as best you can. You know that you're getting the most pristine investigation that you can. At the end of the night, nothing happened. Do you feel like you got your money's worth of, of going in and
1: renting out that whole place and, and having nothing happen? Um, I think I would justify it to myself. I would, like, the same... I would give give myself the same pep talk I give. Uh, I stay in the mirror of the men's room of Foxwoods when I lose all my money, <laughs> and I have to make that ride that <laughs> that two or three hour ride home. I'm like, it's okay. You you had a good time. Yeah, you paid you, that you money you filled, for the experience of right, being you here. You filled yourself up on the buffet. You got to enjoy it with uh, some people that you don't hate, and uh, all in all, it was a good day see
0: I think that for me it would be I mean I, I would definitely feel like I had spent the money in order to, to cross it off my my mm-hmm. bucket list so to speak but I would also be concerned that you know like I would just keep replaying it in my head did I do everything right did we screw something up was there something some sort of mistake that we made that prevented something from happening you know what right. i mean like i would be second guessing everything that we did
1: well i think there's like two types of uh of people that would go back and uh going back to the justification of it is um those people who care more about the journey than the destination mm-hmm. and then the, the people who want the result well and i so guess i guess it depends on what person what you would be satisfied with and it has to do too i think with what
0: direction you're coming at an investigation from are you going because you want to say that a place isn't haunted do you want to, or do you want to go there to prove that a place is and i'm not i'm not a debunker i mean i, I will debunk something if i if it happens mm-hmm. but i'm not going to a place to try to debunk the claims that i'm hearing and you can argue with me and callers you can call in 508-996-0500 877-996-1420 if you want to debate about it but I don't think that I want to go as an investigator who is there to debunk things. I think I want to go to an investigation to see if something happens. I'm not saying I'm going in automatically assuming that a place is haunted or believing that a place is haunted or active. But I'm just saying I want to go and see if that takes place. And then when it does take place, I'm going to try to rationalize and see what else it could be. But I'm not going to go in automatically from the point of disproving all the claims that I've heard about a place. Mm-hmm. I think that's just as bad as going in and, and wanting to verify everything. Like that you, want, heard.
1: you want to take all the information and then weed it out later just, yeah. ra- rather than go in there and just...
0: I think it's stupid to go in with, with any kind of theory to begin with, which is why I have a little bit of an issue with people calling it science and, and, and utilizing the scientific method in investigation, because the scientific method requires you to have a hypothesis at the beginning, and you have to go in and test against that hypothesis. You're, you're trying to prove that hypothesis, and I think any type of hypothesis puts a, 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 an automatic taint on what's happening in the investigation. So even if you're like, all right, my, my hypothesis is that paranormal activity is real, well, then you're going to go in there and that's going to be in the back of your mind and you'll be too quick to kind of maybe say that something is paranormal. Uh, or if you're like, ah, my hypothesis is that paranormal, re- you know, paranormal activity is not real, same thing. You know, It's the same as saying whether a place is haunted or not haunted. You're, you're just doing the same disservice to yourself. Just go in and experience it. And then, when something does go on, when you have an experience, try to figure out what it is, and then try to figure out what it is that caused it. I, I that's I know that that's kind of talking in circles a little bit, but I just feel like, and I've been I've lectured on this, and mm-hmm. I probably will again. That it's just it's not science.
1: Like either way, you're, you're you're saying you're going into it with a preconceived notion, and it's going to sway your your investigation it definitely will I mean feeling like it like a haunting is or
0: isn't real or a place is or isn't haunted is going to and here's part of the, the the thing that I think is part of it is that I think belief has to be part of this for it to work I think that's why you don't have a lot of groups that are like, well, we go in to debunk, who come out saying like, all right, well, we were here to debunk, but holy crap, this stuff is real. We've totally changed our minds. You don't have that happen as often because I think what it is, is that the belief is part of it being able to manifest. And and I, I think it's, I think it's like the fuel for it. You know we talk about energy being the fuel for paranormal activity but I I think belief is the biggest part of that energy. Hmm. I think like it, it it has to be willing a willingness to buy into it for it to work. You know like magic magic doesn't work unless you believe in it, right? Right. So and and that's kind of what this is. You know it's it's a form of magic. And for it to happen somebody has to believe in it. it doesn't have to be everybody. But somebody has to believe in it. Somebody has to give it that power and strength. And and that's why I always say, like, the paranormal doesn't happen when there's nobody around to perceive it. I like that. Because it's <laughs> it can't. And then somebody could say, Well, you know, there was nobody in this house. There was nobody in there at all, but when I walked by I heard all these noises. Well, because you walked by. You know, and and if a tree falls and nobody's around to hear it, does it make a noise? Yes. Because it's the physical disruption of the tree falling that makes the noise. And that physical disruption is still happening. But what if a ghost manifesting is not a physical disruption of any kind? Uh, this this is what I like to this is what I love talking about. I love this is getting a little heavy. I love getting into the deep <laughs> stuff of this. And and certainly I welcome the callers to call in and engage in the next hour at 508-996-0500-877-996-1420. But I want to definitely pick that up on the other side. I want to talk more about belief. Because uh, belief is a huge it's a huge positive and a huge negative in paranormal research. And it can certainly have a an effect, and it can certainly stain one way or the other the way that you do your research. But I also think that it has to be part of your mindset. Even if you don't think that this stuff exists, you have to walk into it willing to accept that it does exist if it shows to you that it does if you follow what i'm saying you know you, you you can't go into completely cynical you have to go into it with the mindset of i've never seen it happen and i don't feel that it could happen but i'm open to it happening and having my mind changed and Moniz talks about that all the time you know he talks about how in the early days of his investigation you know he wanted to see a ghost he wanted to experience a ghost and as time went on it became more of a matter of i want to see why i want to see a ghost if you get what i'm saying like it's it's more about you know what does this mean what is you know, this connection see what, see what the big deal is yeah what what's what's the reasoning behind it because what there has to be a reason why it happens and again we can talk about this more coming up uh, in the uh second hour and and one of the things, one of the comments that was made in the chat room here on, on, on the live YouTube stream is that it's subjective, not objective. And I think that that's absolutely the way that we have to look at this. I think paranormal experiences are definitely subjective, and you can't look at them objectively. Because if you are objective about them, then what's the reason for them happening? What's the reason to have a ghostly encounter, a ghostly visitation, if not to have it have an effect on you? I don't think you can just kind of stand by. I I think other people could be objective and watch it happen. So you could go in there as a, you know, as an uninvolved third party, watching somebody else be subjected to it. But somebody has to be willing to be subjective, for it to occur. And we, I I know I might be getting a little bit, uh, you know, kind of talking in circles a bit here, but we have like a minute left before we have to go into the news. So what we'll do is we'll pick this up on the other side. We'll take your calls as well at 508-996-0500, 877-996-1420. And we can take it wherever you want to go. You don't have to just stick with this uh, idea and this concept. We can take it to do with anything to do with the paranormal. Uh, and the, the phone lines will be open. The uh, texting is open at 67664. Just start your text with WBSM. And you can also tweet about it either directly to us at SpookySC or using the hashtag Live. And you can email us as well, spooky at SpookySouthCoast.com. If you want to get tickets to any of those events I was talking about, it's strange dash escapes for the cruise. And it's and you don't have to pay for the whole cruise right up front, you can space it out, and legendtrips.com to join us in Winchenden on july thirtieth. We'll be back in just a bit. Welcome back. Hour number two of Spooky South Coast Tim Weiser here, along with the Silent Assassin Matt Costa, uh, Stephanie Burke, and Matt Moniz out of the studio tonight. But uh, we are so we're kicking it old school here with just the two of us. Oh, yeah. oh I hit, I hit the wrong and just like old school. Is a, that I is old school. <laughs> Pressing <laughs> the wrong buttons. Uh, but we had referenced the email that we we received uh, earlier uh, from Australia, and it's uh, it's Monica from Australia. Who is uh, a, a pretty, pretty newcomer to the show, but she's trying to get caught up on all of it, bingeing to ten years of Spooky South Coast. So hello to Monica out there in Melbourne, or or Melbourne, as they say, hmm. I believe they do say Melbourne, mm-hmm. Melbourne. Yeah. So uh, we have a. I know there's a couple of people out there that listen to us, uh, for sure. Of course, we have Paula in New Zealand, hmm. uh, and we also have.
1: Um <laughs> <laughs> uh, see, I put myself on the spot oh, like this, and I can't. I'm, I'm terrible with names as well, so like, even if uh, you dare to ask me, I probably won't.
0: She's gonna send me an email being like, "I can't believe you didn't remember my name."
1: <laughs> but we do; we have uh, quite a few
0: listeners over there, which is awesome because you know it's just the fact that people are listening to us across the world, right? It's it's fascinating, and uh, the fact that we get some really strange like m- sometimes I get like some messages from people that I never would have thought were listeners I had mentioned you know we we were talking uh, uh, earlier today about the the death of Mark Parento, who was a long time DJ in the Boston market on WBCN the now defunct well I guess it's online only but uh, you know that was a, a very formative station in, in the music scene in, of, of rock and roll and, and he introduced a lot of big acts into Boston and he did a lot for Boston comedians and he was just He's one of the greats at this, and he's somebody who was definitely an influence on on me. Right. And uh, it was nice when a couple of years ago he joined Twitter, and he sent some messages to me about saying how he liked this show. He liked what we were doing with this show. He thought it was really cool that somebody was talking about paranormal stuff on the radio for a couple of hours every Saturday night. So that kind of came out of left field. I was surprised by that. But uh, also this week, uh, uh, well, no, I think it was last week. It might have been last week or the week before, but uh, I, I'm just, you know, sitting there at my day job doing my work and I get a notification on my phone that I have a new a new Facebook message. So I was like, ah, okay. And so I open it up and it says that it's from James Mitchell. And it turns out it's Reverend James Mitchell who is a, a uh, manager with TNA Wrestling. Oh, and uh, and he said, uh, you know, he, he really likes the show and to keep up the good work. So that's cool. Yeah. yeah, you know, it's every once in a while, you know, you get so, you know, like, and we've we've gotten messages in the past from uh, from Dean Haglund, uh, who was one of the Lone Gunmen in the X Files, yeah, yeah. uh, you know, dropping some of our celebrity celebrity <laughs> listeners. Now, uh, Billy Gibbons from ZZ Top has said that he's listened to the show. We've heard that he listens to the show, and. Um, and Richard Edson, from uh, r- the original drummer for Sonic Youth, mm-hmm. who was uh, the guy who stole, uh, took Ferris Bueller's car there on a joyride when right. we went to go park it. <laughs> you know, like, hey, it's not just regular people that yeah. have paranormal experiences. It's famous people, too. So it's not surprising that they reach out for shows like this. Right. That's pretty cool. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, we certainly appreciate everybody that listens. It doesn't matter if you're famous or not. You're all celebrities to us. Right. So That sounds like the biggest hashtag humblebrag that anybody's ever done on a radio show. But yes, I once got this email. uh, It's like, I really love your show. I think you guys do a great job. You should definitely keep it up. Love, Barry Obama. I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) Um, If there was one person that would, one celebrity person that you'd want to talk to about the paranormal, who would it be?
1: Uh, like someone who has, who's known to have experiences already yeah, or some, or someone who doesn't, but just like a dream, like just a, if they were to have a paranormal experience. It
0: could want. be either way. I mean, they could have come forward publicly and said that they've had it, or it could be somebody uh, that you'd like
1: to talk to them just right. to see if they've had it. Carrie Busey. Gary Busey, <laughs> yeah. hands well, he, down, hands down.
0: Uh, he's he's absolutely had paranormal experiences. Right. He was on Celebrity <laughs> Paranormal Projects, so he would uh, definitely Gary. If you're listening, you know Spooky yeah. Crew is SpookySouthCoast.com. His, his, bro- his brother
1: is, is in one of your uh, famous, uh, favorite movies too, right? Wait, oh, uh, Frighteners? His, his son,
0: isn't his that son. A son? his J- son? JBC, yep. yeah, yeah, Frighteners. Uh, I was going through the on-demand movies yeah. this week because uh, I just added the the Stars package to my cable again, and I'm going through, and I saw the Frighteners is on there. I was like. Do I want to watch it again? I, I really do, but <laughs> I should probably watch something I haven't seen before. Yeah. Do you have it on Blu-ray or anything? Or? I don't. No, surprisingly. Oh. No. And yeah, uh, it, should. It, it really is just a great movie. Right. I, and if you've never seen it, I highly recommend it. It's one of my favorites, and it has a very interesting so, take on the panel. Do you
1: want, uh, I know um, your, your feelings on the the new Ghostbusters already. It's not exactly the greatest, but uh, have you heard the latest news on Ghostbusters? Well, I it's saw It's really going to... Twisty old dagger. And I saw the
0: story <laughs> that you had posted that said that Dan Ackroyd wholeheartedly approves of the new Ghostbusters. Oh, well,
1: that one. That one. He's, he's going to get. It. He's probably going to get a cut of the uh, movie anyway. So it's probably. And he likes everything. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. He likes. He's, he's, he's a, just a generally a good guy, and like he just. I think he's he very. Liked, su- yeah. yeah, very supportive. Yeah, he wants yeah. to be. He wants it to be a success. He sure, wants, and and the- most people in, enjoy Ghostbusters as much as he did, and. And the future of the
0: Ghostbusters brand—you know, you can say what you want about how it puts money in his pocket through merchandising and licensing and all that stuff. Right. But also, I mean, keep in mind anything that keeps people with a focus on the paranormal is good for him too, because he's very interested in the topic of the paranormal. Hmm. So, I mean, I'm sure that he's just happy to have it be, you know, in some sort of a mainstream
1: eye for a little while. But right. you know. You- but this is a this is a um, I'm, I'm a big fan of covers. So this um, the new.
0: Like Ghost cover Busters. songs?
1: Yeah. But the new Ghostbusters movie is going to have a a cover of uh, the original Ghostbusters song by Ray Parker Jr., by Missy Elliott, and Follow Boy.
0: You had me until Follow Boy.
1: Right. Missy Elliott, I could see. Maybe that would be kind of cool. I don't really see the Follow Boy. Yeah, you lost me at Follow Boy. I may be getting up there at my age, and I don't like what the kids like. <laughs> right. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. Follow Boy really hasn't done it for me.
0: Well, and since just speaking of, of movie songs, like this is apropos of nothing, but did you see when they had the, the premiere of the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie last no. week? Vanilla Ice showed up and performed Ninja Rap.
1: Really? That's yes. amazing. That's pretty cool, <laughs> I
0: thought. Uh, but uh, getting back to Ghostbusters, there is one positive thing that I've seen as a result of this new movie. Mm-hmm. There's an increase of Ghostbusters merchandise in the stores, Right. and it's not all related to the new movies. I was in Walmart the other day, and they had, like, Ghostbusters window decals for $1.99. Oh, nice. So I was like, well, I'm going to have to buy one of those, throw it on my truck, yeah. but I'm going to wait a little while until, like, I don't want to look like I'm supporting the new movie yet. <laughs> so I'm going to be a little bit careful. Right, right. Uh, but also, I noticed they have new figures of the original Ghostbusters. Do they? They're twenty bucks each, so I haven't purchased them yet. If anybody wants to buy me like a Father's Day gift and ship them to the station, they're like twenty dollars each. Right. Uh, but they're really good. They're that, really detailed. And and
1: the frighteners on Blu-ray. Yeah. <laughs> the They would look really good on my shelf uh, next to my Mulder yeah, and Scully figures. And just start begging for things. Like you don't have to give us money or anything. Just, just yeah. Send just, us stuff. just buy me, buy me stuff. So
0: there's there's four Ghostbusters. So that's eighty dollars worth of investment. Right. So
1: if you you'd have to really love me. To do that, is it um like the um, um, Mc- like the I don't think they're McFarlane's. I didn't see
0: the Todd McFarlane logo anywhere on them, so hmm. I don't know who. It, I don't remember who it is that puts them out, but they're really good. I'm not, let me see if I can look them up, and if they're on like the Walmart website or something, yeah. you know, we could we could tweet it out or something. But uh,
1: they're certainly are, uh, much they, more detailed like, than, the, um, than the real Ghostbusters. Figures. Are they the, like the their? Like the serious ones, or is it um, like the cool ones from like when we were kids where no, no, you have like are, Egon with like its eyes popping out? And, no, like, those,
0: <laughs> that was, were, um, what was that the name of that line? It wasn't Extreme Ghostbusters because that came out in the 90s, but the, it had a name for, for that line of Ghostbusters
1: toys. Hmm. Uh, I'm not sure. I, Di- I know. These are Diamond Selects, I believe. I wow. didn't have them, but I, my cousin had, I think, a good amount of them. Wow, some of these are they're like different prices. Like,
0: <laughs> tell me if this sounds fair to you. All right, tell me if this. All right, Peter Venkman, Oh, this is series two, Peter Venkman, But diamonds like Peter dollars thirty-four ninety-nine. Okay. Hmm. So thirty-five bucks for dollars twenty-nine ninety-nine for Egon Spengler. Uh, let's see. Uh, Ray stands twenty-six ninety-nine. Winston more $23.19. Really? <laughs> and he's on sale for, you save a seventy seven. Winston is lower price than the rest of the Ghostbusters, that's, and he's on sale. That's terrible. That's, that sounds racist to me. That I'm sorry. A little bit. I hate to be one of those people that finds racism and everything. Oh, my God. I have to get this. The Ghostbusters Ghost Trap Tin Lunchbox, 15 99 I don't even take a lunch anywhere. That's nice. But I have to have it, because it looks like a ghost trap, and it's tin. <laughs> And it's Ghostbusters, so I I need that. I should probably show you all of this so that we can see it. Uh, so that's the series two Peter Venkman. I which believe the Winston, really? Of course, we're we're talking about um, we're talking about pictures on the radio. Right. So. Yeah, we're talking.
1: Yeah, and we're talking two grown men talking about toys. <laughs> oh well, this this set is they're they they're action figures, and they're collectible. Yeah. So we feel like we're how tall are those? Uh, They were probably about yay
0: big, so I don't know what's that like six inches? Maybe eight inches. On
1: spooky TV, you can see,
0: so uh, oh, and of course, there's Funkos. There always has to be Funkos of everything. Uh, So you can see, there's a number of different ones. Uh, Six-inch figures are out of stock. Those might have been what was in there. The six-inch figures, Um, and I do need the Ecto One and Ecto Two Hot Wheels. I don't have an Ecto One oh. oh. Hot Wheels, believe it or not. Three hundred and fifty dollars for the Ghostbusters Firehouse
1: Lego wow. set. Why are Lego sets so expensive? It, you have to put it together yourself, right? I don't understand. Actually, this is a huge, huge price break right
0: here. Actually, even even at the regular price of forty five ninety nine, because it was over one hundred dollars for the set, for twenty nine ninety six, you can get Volume One through Five of the Real Ghostbusters. Oh, that's
1: totally worth it. Yeah, I would say so. Although I think uh, I. I think I have. Uh, it's on my Amazon Prime. Prime, I think. Oh, really? Yeah. See, I would think that the uh, I get that in like Thundercats, and then like nothing. Thanks a lot, Prime. I think uh, I think that we need.
0: If you've never seen the real Ghostbusters, I don't think I'm going too much on it. Let me to say that that's probably a better continuation of the Ghostbuster story than this new movie will be. Mm-hmm
1: what I did the other day remember the video game the the, the one that came out a couple of years ago uh I think it was like 2008 yeah yeah was a that, little, that was a little while ago <laughs> that should really be considered Ghostbusters 3 though well uh somebody on YouTube is I I don't know if I put it up on the Facebook page or not, but yeah, somebody linked together all the CGI cutscenes mm-hmm. and it's like um, it's like an hour and a half movie and I just sat there and watched it the other day and it's it's good. Yeah, like the storyline yeah. is good. The the uh, the action is good. The yeah. jokes are good. I mean, there, it's all the original uh, members, and the dialogue is just like from a Ghostbusters movie.
0: And when you played the game, didn't you actually feel like you were a Ghostbuster? Right. Yeah. In the game, you're a new recruit, so you're not actually one of the four, but you actually feel like you're a part of the team, and you feel like you're actually busting ghosts. You're mm-hmm. making me think I should go back and play it. I think I beat it, or I was close to beating it. I was on the island at the very end, so yeah I think I didn't yeah. want to go back and play it again yeah it's good
1: and I have a newfound uh, appreciation for two. I always thought that was the uh, the lower um, I don't know it it never like held up to the original and it, i I think a lot of people think it was I guess the kind of crappier version crappier uh sequel yeah but, but I um, see
0: I never really looked down on it as much as other people do I thought it was
1: great mm-hmm. Well uh was it I mean there was it was cheesy. There was a lot more cheese in that movie. I mean was it was it Bill Murray who said he kind of frowned upon it and said that they shouldn't have done it? Probably. Sounds like it was something he'd say. Yeah.
0: But like I didn't you know, like I thought it was really cheesy, like the scene where the, the ghost train passes through Winston. Like right. I thought yeah. that was like over the top goofy. And I thought like the slime was a little goofy. But overall I enjoyed the movie. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, didn't, I, I, I had only realized in recent years that people hated it as much as they do.
1: Yeah, I, but I think I could see why a lot of people don't. Because, I mean, the first one was so good. Right. You know, it's, it's, it's hard to live up to.
0: The, that's true. The other thing, too, is, like, it came out in that, like, just that mythical summer of 1989, mm-hmm. which will go down in history, in my mind, as the greatest summer for movies ever. <laughs> yeah. Because everything came out that summer. Was
1: that uh, also Back to the Future?
0: Uh, that was, yeah, Back to the Future 2 came out, uh, and Back to the Future 3 came out a couple months later in November. But, so you had Back to the Future 2, you had Ghostbusters 2, you had Lethal Weapon 2, you had, um, Batman. Ah, yep. What else came out that summer? There was quite a few. I'm going to, I'm going to find this as we're talking about this. Because, you know... Like, <laughs> sometimes this is just how our conversations go, is, see, look, the New York Post agrees that 1989 was the best summer for movies ever. Oh, uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, that came out that summer. Yep. So, uh, we have a call coming in, so maybe this is somebody who actually likes the way our nerd talk is going. <laughs> so, let's go to the phones again. If you want to call in, 508-996-0500, 877-996-1420. Good evening, you're on Spooky South Coast, how are you?
2: Hey, how's it
0: going guys? We're doing all right. Spectacular as we like to say.
2: All right, cool. Um I'll just, just to get into the the Ghostbusters uh conversation. Sure. Um I wonder sometimes with movies and like you were talking about the sequels and then you have well, I guess which is now uh a reimagining, is that what they're calling it? It's just a new movie, it's not a continuation of the yeah, some,
0: I mean, sometimes they call it a, a reboot if they're, like, starting over with the story, but this is supposed yeah. to be more of, I guess, kind of a a continuation. I mean, they, they do recognize the fact that there was Ghostbusters before these Ghostbusters.
2: Oh, okay, yeah. See, I'm I wasn't never really a big Ghostbusters fan, but um, I think sometimes when it comes to movies, I think it's kind of like, have you ever heard, this, I heard of the sophomore curse? Yes. When it comes to
0: bands. Yeah, like uh, the second album is never as good. You can't live up to the to the first one and
2: yeah. And I wonder sometimes if with a lot of these sequels, I am sure now I think like say like Lord of the Rings, they knew after they made the they knew they were making three movies. Right. And it's kinda of different, like, well we'll put this movie out, we'll see what it does. Wow, it, it did really good. We have to bang out a second one really, really quick. I think that's why oftentimes the second one isn't maybe as good as the first, right? They take like the basic they, elements, they boil it all down, they and rush they into throw it, another yeah. movie out. Hey, people will go see it because it's got number two after it, and people will go see it.
0: It's it, you know it's like you're looking at that as being the model these days for a lot of the times, but I think the Marvel movies have changed that around now because they've got that all laid out. So it's all like kind of planned as to where they need to go with each phase of the storytelling. So maybe that's going to get people's mindset into it a little bit more, where you know you're thinking, okay, we have to plan for the future so that if there are more movies, we have to know where we're going instead of just you know trying to throw it together as quickly as possible.
2: Well, yeah, yeah, and that's why I think you see a lot of... notice a lot of movies, or a series of movies, um, are three movies. Um, they made three movies out of the, the, the Hobbit, the book The Hobbit. And I think I could probably sit, put the movies on all three parts of The Hobbit. I think there's three parts. I could probably read the book in the time it would take, to watch the three movies. Oh,
0: yeah, probably. I mean, they just announced, too, that uh, they've started production of the Dark Tower movies, and that's supposed to be three theatrical movies with uh, three seasons of, or two seasons of six episodes of television in between. So, you know, you're looking at, like, 20-plus hours of being able to tell that story. So, and that's, you know, all planned uh, planned out ahead, too, so... Uh, you are but, seeing yeah, more.
2: Of- I, I think I think Hollywood does that does that a lot more now. It's not just like let's put this movie out and see what it does. It's- because so they know if you go see the first one, they know you're going to go probably see the second one if right. you like the first
0: one. And they know too how different it is now with streaming and with people being able to download movies on their phone. And, you know, the, the people are, are, are taking in these properties in different ways. So you don't have to be tied into the same model of, okay, well, we're going to put this out, you know, summer of 2016. Then we definitely have to have the sequel out 2018 in the summer. You know, they know that they can keep people's interest by putting out other versions of that property in a different way.
2: So that's true, too, yeah, and and I've seen stuff, uh uh things online, that something, uh I think it was with the DC Comics, well, I don't know if they're going to continue, like, Superman, Batman, but they have a schedule for, like, the next, I think it was 10 years. Yeah,
0: and the problem is, is Batman versus Superman completely crapped the bed, so it's thrown a kink into all of those plans. They thought it was going to be just like Marvel, where every movie's a success, and they can just kind of move on to the next one, but now the studios are second-guessing how much money they want to give them to keep going with that stuff.
2: Well, I think it can only saturate the market so much. I mean, they're, they're already saying that there's going to be a, a Wonder Woman movie because she was in Batman versus Superman.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, yeah, she's and, definitely getting one. Aquaman is getting one. Um, I think those are the only de- – I think there's a Flash movie in the works.
2: Yeah, and I just think it's, you know, it's going to get to the point where it's just it's too much. Can we have something else besides this?
0: Absolutely. Yeah. No, and I, and I, I think that there's, uh, I realize this because, like I was saying, I, I just added stars so I was, like, kind of binge-watching the Marvel movies I had missed. And I watched uh, Captain America Winter Soldier. I watched Avengers Age of Ultron. And I watched, uh, well, a uh, couple weeks ago I watched Deadpool. So there's three superhero movies that I've watched in the last couple of weeks that all of them had a highway battle scene
2: you know it's like it's it's a formula i mean it's basically like uh you're taking well i guess there's formulas in any you know all different genres but it's basically taking the horror movie thing i mean if you're going to make another friday the 13th what do you think's going to be in it yeah exactly the same thing with the superhero thing they'll just take aquaman and have all the explosions and all that they'll do a wonder woman movie they'll do a green arrow movie They'll, they'll be picking out You know, all these different superheroes from these kind of obscure superheroes, I guess you could say, because they make money. Absolutely. But I think eventually people, like I said, I think people are going to get tired. If you have enough bombs in a row, like you said, Batman versus Superman, I haven't really heard a lot of good things from people that have seen it.
0: Well, hopefully, uh, you know, hopefully with this Ghostbusters, it'll get people's attention, at least paying attention to, you know, paranormally themed movies, like, and, and not just, you know, in terms of horror movies, you know, maybe we can get some more, like The Frighteners is not a horror movie, it's kind of a horror comedy, maybe we can get more of that kind of stuff out there, because, you know, that, there's a genre for that, there's an audience for that. It doesn't all have to be, you know, paranormal activity movies.
2: No, and and that's kind of, a, you know, when it comes to horror movies, it, it's kind of a, horror movies are kind of, I've always said that, because uh, I'm a big horror movie fan, are kind of a red-headed stepchild of the of the film industry. Right. A lot of people involved, I know, being a big Friday the 13th fan, the producers weren't, after a while, they just got tired of being associated with those types of movies. And
0: it, but, it's considered brainless work to put one out.
2: But the thing is, is they make money. You know, they put out a Friday the Thirteenth. They spend three million dollars to make it. It makes thirty million dollars in the first weekend. That's twenty five million dollars or twenty seven million dollars. They can spend on something that they know maybe won't make so much money.
0: And that those slasher films always had a huge home video market. You know, they always had a huge cable market. So, you know, it was a gift they kept on giving. Uh,
2: Yeah, and I think it's you know, going to continue. And now, I guess with, I guess now it's the superhero movies. That's going to be the big thing. Now, maybe not so much horror movies, but I don't know. I don't know if Ghostbusters is going to, well, I think Ghostbusters to a point will, um, I think people that are interested in the paranormal will be into it as just another aspect of the paranormal. They'll go out and buy the DVD, the book, the action figures like you were talking about. Cause that's just part of it. Um, but, uh, I don't know. I don't know if that's going to be sustainable. Are you going to go see it? Uh What's that? The new Ghostbusters? Uh Probably not. I wasn't a real big... I saw the first one. I think I saw the second one. Maybe parts of the... There was a third one, I guess. I was never really a big fan. It was like, okay, this is okay. I didn't... I remember it was huge. uh, The movies, I remember they were really, really big. Really popular. I, I wouldn't... I think I saw the first one in the theater, but I wasn't... Like okay, this is okay, but I didn't get that enthused about
0: it. But oh, see, it was my life when I was a kid. I loved it. I wanted to see it when it was in the theater, but I never got to. Uh, and then when I finally did see it on home video, it was one of the first home videos I rented. And when I finally got the chance to see it, I was obsessed with it. I taped it off cable, and I would watch it at least once a week.
2: And I know a few people like that, but it, that's like that with any movie. I mean, you know, no matter the worst movie that you've ever seen, somebody's a big fan of it. So. And I'm not saying it's really? a, movie. It's not got a movie. Fans? You know, it's not a, it's got Bill Murray, I mean, you know, but I'm just like I said, I'm not really a huge fan. I mean I'll probably catch it when it comes on cable, but for me I'm not one to really rush out to the movie theater a lot. Yeah. Of different I mean movies. I haven't I
0: haven't yeah. to see the ones that I want to see either, so I'm a big kind of steal the muffin internet guy, but no you never heard me say that. All right. Well, thank mm, you. For,
2: I don't, Yeah. I, don't know. I, I, I won't repeat that. <laughs> thank you very but, much. Uh, for the yeah. Well, once no, it comes on cable, a lot of movies. Oh, that's coming out. Cool. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what I just see the other day? The um, uh, Independence Day.
0: Right. Wow, you have just you saw seen? that? That's like twenty years ago. Well, <laughs> what the new
2: one? The, the well, they have a new like preview for it. Right. Yeah.
0: Oh, uh, oh they were talking about the, the new one. Okay. All right. I thought you were saying you one, just yeah. saw Independence Day for the first time.
2: Yeah. The second, the Independence Day two, right, whatever, right. and. I saw the first one. I liked it. I don't think it would be something I would maybe necessarily rush out to the theater to see. My,
0: my favorite moment from the original one is uh, I was I saw it in the theater the day it came out. And we're sitting there, and there's that scene in the, the tunnel where, where like uh, everybody's worried about whether or not the dog is going to make it out. And then the dog makes it out, and the whole theater erupted in cheers. And this one guy stood up and turned around and yelled, Oh, sure, the whole world's getting killed by aliens, but as long as the dog's all right,
2: you're all happy. Yep. <laughs> and everybody yeah, was Boomer, laughing. Boomer the dog. Oh, uh, yeah. I wonder if he's going to be in the sequel. Uh, but, uh, yeah, the sequel, I guess you could call
0: it. I think it's been, you know, I'd say it's been a few too many years for him to make it, but I think if, uh, you know, if uh, Judd Hirsch made it, then certainly the dog could have as well. Yeah. You know,
2: it would be something, like I said, that would be something I would just pick up on cable,
0: but. All right, well, thank you very much for the call.
2: Thank you very much. You have just a great
0: just, night. Nice night. And 508-996-0500, 877-996-1420, if you would like to chime in and join in. Uh, I will say this. I think after looking over this list, Matt Costa, that th- not only is the summer of 1989 the best summer ever for movies, yep. 1989 as a whole might have been the best year ever for movies. <laughs> yeah. Let's let's go all the way back to January, okay? Uh, we, we don't have much going on in January. Uh, you know... Gleaming the Cube, Three Fugitives, whatever. Those aren't great movies. Uh, but in February, we got Who's Harry Crumb. Oh, that's a good one. Yep. We got The Fly 2. Mm-hmm. We got Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Check this out. Same week. Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure and The Burbs. Really? Both open well, the same weekend. The Burbs uh, wasn't, was kind of a flop. It year, was a right? flop, but it's attained cult status right. in the years right. since. Uh, the weekend after that, The Toxic Avenger Part 2. Really, which got a theatrical release, which I I had
1: no idea. I thought it was straight to video.
0: I would have been, <laughs> yeah, I would have thought the same thing. Uh, after that was uh, "Lean on Me," and the highly underrated "Dream a Little Dream," starring Corey and Corey, but that was probably their best oh, yeah. movie together. Uh, March 10th, we had "The Adventures of Baron Munchausen." That's a good one. And "Police Academy 6." Right, both opening the same weekend. Uh, March 17th. Leviathan, which was a pretty good oh, yeah. thriller at the time, and Fletch Lives. Yep. Uh, March 24th, 976 Evil and Troop Beverly Hills opened <laughs> the same weekend. March 31st, Heathers opened up. Now you go to April. We got Cyborg, Dead Calm, The Dream Team, and Major League all in the same weekend. I thought Cyborg was right to video as well. Nope. No, that wow. was a theatrical film. So that's, I mean, The Dream Team and Major League are both yeah. classics. Yeah. Uh, the weekend after that, we got uh, sh- uh, Say Anything. The weekend after that, Kickboxer. So that means we had two Van Damme movies at the same time, right? Because Cyborg was a Van Damme film. Was it? Yeah, yeah. So two Van Damme movies out at the same time. Uh, April 21st, we had Field of Dreams and Pet Cemetery and Teen Witch. Wow. Which is a classic. Uh, after that, Canine, uh, Loverboy, those came out the same weekend. Uh, May 12th was Earth Girls Are Easy and See No Evil, Hear No Evil.
1: <laughs> Same weekend. That's a two really
0: good movies. Huh? Yeah. Uh, the weekend after that was uh, was Roadhouse and Fright Night 2. I didn't know there was a Fright Night 2. I guess oh. I must have overlooked that one. After that, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Pink Cadillac, which is a very underrated Clint Eastwood comedy. Uh, after, uh, June 2nd, Dead Poets Society. Renegades. And No Holds Barred. Nice. Yep. Uh, We get to June 9th, Star Trek V, The Final Frontier. June 13th, License to Kill, the James Bond movie. Mm -hmm. June 16th, Ghostbusters 2. June 23rd, Batman. And, I forgot this one from the summer of 89, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Oh, right. June 30th, Do the Right Thing, Great Balls of Fire, and The Karate Kid Part 3. Which... Say what you will about The Karate Kid Part Mm 3. Parts of it are cheesy, but I love me some Quicksilver Method and Monster (laughs) Mike Barnes. Uh, July, the first weekend of July, Weekend at Bernie's. The next weekend, Lethal Weapon 2. Nice. The weekend after that, When Harry Met Sally. The weekend after that, UHF. Oh, that's great. July 28th, Friday the 13th, Part 8, Jason Takes Manhattan. I
1: remember that one.
0: Opening the same weekend as Turner and Hooch. August of 89, we got Parenthood, we got Lock Up with Stallone, we got The Abyss, we got Nightmare on Elm Street 5, and Uncle Buck. That's a pretty good month right there. I mean, usually August, some of the movies trail off, but that's... I
1: I don't think I've seen any of these in the theater. I think these were all, like, the video... VHS, yeah. yeah, The VHS was was,
0: uh, king by this point. Uh, Coming up after that, Casualties of War, Sex, Lies, and Videotape, and Eddie and the Cruisers 2. Uh, Black Rain came out in September. Little Monsters came out in September. Oh, nice. Uh, October of 89, we got The Punisher, like the Dolph Lundgren Punisher. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Drugstore Cowboy, Puppet Master. Uh, Uh, We got Fabulous Baker Boys, Halloween 5, Look Who's Talking. Um, Let's see. Some of the movies trailed off a little bit. You know, Steel Magnolias in uh, in November. Um, All Dogs Go to Heaven and The Little Mermaid came out the same weekend. That's, that's two, like, classic animated right. movies. November 22nd was Back to the Future Part 2. I See, I thought Back to the Future 2 came out in the summer, and 3 came out in November, but I guess I was wrong. Uh, December of 89, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, She-Devil and the War of the Roses, wow. Glory, Driving Miss Daisy and the Wizard, Born on the Fourth of July, Roger and Me, Always in Tango and Cash to round up nice. the year.
1: The Wizard was always uh, a fan favorite of mine.
0: I, I gotta say, looking at that list... That's a great year. That is a very, very strong year for movies. I mean, I'm trying to think, like, you'll, you know, you'll never see a year like that again. I mean, sure, you'll have movies that come out, like these Marvel movies will come out mm-hmm. and set all kinds of records. The new Star Wars movie will come out and set all kinds of records, but I don't think you'll ever have a top to bottom as strong of a year as what you got with that. Definitely. I mean, just taking a look at the awards that the films of that year won. Uh, you now, if you go to the Academy Awards, you know, Driving Miss Daisy was the winner. Uh, Daniel Day-Lewis won For My Left Foot. Uh, Dead Poets Society won Best Original Screenplay. Under the Sea won Best Song. Uh, and The Little Mermaid also won Best Original Score. So, I mean, these
1: are like legendary movies that came out during that year. Do you think there was a particular reason that so many came out that year? What, were we like on a kind of a, a, a downward trend as far as movies were concerned, and then?
0: Hmm. I'm trying to think of what might have led. Because I remember the early '90s. You know what else came out in '89? I think, and it's not in this list, but it's it's one of my favorite movies of all time. Was uh, it, it's in here on this list? Dad, with Jack Lemmon and Ted Danson and Ethan Hawke. That was a great movie I don't too. Know if I remember that. It was, it was. It was a good. It was. It was. Uh, it was a. You know, it kind of made me cry when I was younger. Mm. I'll, I'll admit that. And Those are just like some of the movies. There's like a complete list of everything that came out uh, that, you know, some of these have gone on to be kind Yeah, those were probably just top grossers. And I'm trying to see if I can get to the list of what would have been
1: the top movies of the next year. Okay, going back to uh, Independence Day, is Randy Quaid going to be in uh, the new one? I don't know. I don't think so. And I'm not sure. I might want to change my paranormal talk celebrity to Randy Quinn. That's a good point. He's definitely has some good uh, conspiracy theory stuff. I, I,
0: I gotta, like. I gotta give you this list because this is very all right. interesting. All right, this is the list of people who made their film debuts in 1989. Their first ever film was in 1989. And, like, I, uh, just some of these I would even, wouldn't even have remembered if anybody had mentioned that they were in these films. But Vivica A. Fox made her debut that year in Born on the Fourth of July. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kirsten Dunst and Adrian Brody both made their film debuts in New York Stories. Michael Chiklis made his debut in Wired, which was the John Belushi movie. Uh, Terry Hatcher in The Big Picture, Bryce Dallas Howard in Parenthood, uh, Martin Lawrence in Do the Right Thing, Rosie Perez in Do the Right Thing, John C. Riley made his film debut in 1989 in Casualties of War. Sam Rockwell in a movie called Clown House. Rene Russo in Major League. Adam Sandler's film debut was in 1989. Do you remember the name of the movie?
1: Uh, Was it Going Overboard?
0: Going Overboard, right. Good job. Can't believe I got that. Molly Shannon in The Phantom of the Opera. Tom Sizemore. The guy seems like he's been around forever. (laughs) But he made his debut in 1989 in Blue Steel. Elijah Wood made his film debut in what movie in 1989? Uh, Ice Storm. No, <laughs> he, no, that was that was in the 90s. But oh yeah, he know. played uh, a little kid in an a uh, little kid in a in a diner while somebody was playing video games. Was it? Was it? It was uh, Back to the Future Part Two. Oh, was it? he was it? one of the kids watching uh, Michael J. Fox play Wild Gumman. Really? Uh, and this one is uh, kind of a punch in the face a little bit because I. I can't believe I didn't know this. Is it Michael Highwhite or Michael J. White? I think it's
1: Michael J. I think it's J- Michael J. White? J. White. We we yeah. met the guy, didn't we? Like he was at like Comic Con or something. Ah, uh, that was the Comic Con that I couldn't get into. Okay, but um, yeah, so I, I couldn't mess up his name. But he made his
0: film debut in 1989. Do you know in what movie?
1: No, I have no idea. the Toxic Avenger Part 2 really yes <laughs> he's in the Toxic Avenger Part 2 I have two. that I have that on DVD I'm going to have to re-watch that I have Hulu and Hulu
0: has a whole Trauma channel oh nice yeah so yeah, I just thought that was kind of interesting. Oh, just looking at that list, really I recently fast.
1: watched some really crappy <laughs> trauma movies the other day.
0: There's no such thing. A it's crappy a true. crappy trauma movie would mean that you were going into it expecting it to be a good movie and it turned out to be crappy. Right. So if it was crappy, that meant it was a really good <laughs> trauma movie.
1: Yeah. Is uh, Romeo and Juliet still your favorite? Um, I well, um, well poultry guys, poultry guys. Yeah, my my that's just because Lemmy's in it. But um, yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, no, uh, Lemmy's in Tromeo and Juliet. Oh, I
0: thought he was a narrator in *Poultrygeist*. It's um, Tromeo and Juliet that he's the narrator? Yeah, yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah. Uh, but Poultry Geist is a good one. Um, I mean, Sergeant Kabuki Man is just... Sergeant Kabuki Man is Like, awesome. Oscar, Oscar wedding. So good. Oscar winning. I
0: remember, yeah. like, watching the, the, the previews for it, like, yep. watching Toxic Avenger, and I thought it wasn't a real movie. <laughs> and then when I found out that it was a real movie, I was like, well, i got to get my hands on it. Remember how hard it was to find trauma movies when we oh, were Oh, I know.
1: I know. It's insane. Yep. But uh, it was, uh, uh, I think there was it was a Bigfoot movie that I watched that wasn't wasn't Harry and the Henderson's. It it was like uh, I don't want to do have any uh, disrespect towards uh trauma, but it was like a Lifetime movie, but with Bigfoot. Hmm. But. I'll have to look it, it up and in that see bag. if
0: I can find it. But we do have a call on, on the line. I was I was making uh, making this caller wait. Sorry, John. Good evening. You're next on Spooky South Coast. Hi, Tim. Hey, how's it going, John? How are you? What's going on?
3: Uh, listen, you guys are talking about movies. I wonder if you could help me out here. I'm, I'm trying to remember a movie. I think it was John Bellucci. It was called Canine. And he had this German shepherd. His name was oh, yeah.
0: Jerry... Yeah, it was uh, Jerry Lee. Jerry Lee. And yeah. it was it was K-9. It was Jim Belushi.
3: Jim Belushi. And that was,
0: uh, that was a 1989 film for sure. Yep. It
1: was an
3: 89 film. It came out around the same time as um, Turner and Hooch, he, I think. He the dogs were dirty, so he ran them through the car wash in his ragtop.
0: Yep. <laughs> <laughs> K-9 came out earlier in the year. The K-9 came out in April. Came out April 28th. Of what year? Of 1989. 1989. And then Turner and Hooch came out in July of 89. Okay. Uh, so I remember that was always like a controversy. They said one copy of the other, but they're like, they couldn't have. They came out at the same time.
3: Yeah, but his name was Jerry... Jerry Lee. Jerry Lee, the shepherd. Like uh, Jerry Lee Lewis. Yeah, because uh, Jerry um, uh, uh, Bellucci was a cop, right? Yes, yep. And he needed a canine dog. To, he was a drug sniffer or something.
0: They partnered him up with a dog, and, uh, and and hilarity ensued.
3: Yeah. Oh, that was yeah. That was a crazy little movie.
0: Unbeknownst to uh, a lot of people, uh, do you know who it was that that gave him the dog? Uh, Sergeant Brannigan, played by. Uh,
3: no, who gave him the dog? Sergeant Brannigan was no. No. Nope. Go ahead.
0: Ed O'Neill. Al Bundy himself. I don't know. Oh yeah. Yep, and it also spawned two sequels that both went direct to video: K911 and K9Pi. Oh. So those both came out. So you could always check those out uh, if you if you ever wanted to.
3: Yeah, that that sounds good. I know you were talking about little creepy drama movies, but that it just brought up it's spurned this memory of uh, K9.
0: Yeah, well, you know, now I want to watch it, so I'll, I'll try to find it on Netflix or something.
3: All right, you guys. All right, thanks for the call. Right, right, bye-bye.
0: And, uh, yeah, there are some movies that, you know, you think about them and you're like, oh, I want to watch it again. I remember it being so
1: awesome. And then you watch it, you're like,
0: this movie was terrible.
1: <laughs> like Mac and Me. Yeah. I um I don't think I have seen that since the first time I saw it. But from what I was told, someone who uh, recently, not recently watched it, but watched it again, Pepsi was heavily Oh yeah. There was there was definitely some product placement. It wasn't just like the commercials. Is it was really, it was like a big like two hour commercial for Pepsi. Have you uh have you ever
0: seen when uh when Paul Rudd is on Conan?
1: No, no. I'm a big fan of uh Conan lately.
0: All right, well, whenever Paul Rudd is on Conan, this is like a long-time thing. Yeah. Whenever he goes on Conan to promote a new project and they go to show a clip of it, they always show the same clip from Mac and Me, which Paul Rudd wasn't even in, I don't think. Yeah. (laughs) But... (laughs) No, what it is is he goes... Every time he goes on Conan, he brings this clip. Mm -hmm. And and he goes, I have a clip from the new movie, they go to show It's always this clip from Mac and Me. (laughs) Every time the same clip... (laughs) And, right. it, and, it, and it happens every time. And every time,
1: you know, Conan falls for it. How can anyone hate Paul Rudd?
0: I don't know. I think he's awesome. No, he's, I've he's always been a fan. America's sweetheart. Ne- Next to Steve Harvey. Uh, no, I like <laughs> Paul Rudd way better than Steve Harvey. Uh, I mean, going back to what Clueless mm-hmm. was when I was like, this guy is, I like this guy. You know, it's one of the few movies where I i, I actually wanted the star woman to end up with the guy because it's like this guy's cool you know uh, even though he was kind of a brother and it was creepy but i <laughs> know i've always been a fan i love the fact that he can do like serious movies and he can do goofy stuff that he has no problem being the star of a movie or being part of an ensemble you know first of all anybody that was in wet hot american summer right like has won me oh, over. Yeah, of course and uh, and the fact that you know they all went back for the series which was great <laughs> but uh the uh, if you have you seen ant-man yet no, no, I have to watch that. He's really yeah. awesome in Ant-Man. So I thought it was a strange choice when they cast him, right. but, I mean, it turns out he is awesome at it. So he can do no wrong as far as I'm concerned. He really is America's sweetheart, yeah. He's <laughs> he's kind of the new Tom Hanks. Yeah,
1: yeah. If you think about it, that, yeah. Yeah, because I love Tom Hanks and everything. He can't do him wrong. He's, uh,
0: he's definitely waned in recent years with uh, some of his... Choices, but you know he's a guy that can come back at any given time and, and steal America's heart all over again. Mm-hmm. We we totally took a tangent away from what we were talking about. Oh, right, in the right. first
1: hour, but this is a paranormal show. I think.
0: That's all right. This is what people like, though. People like when we like reveal a little bit of our personalities and what we're into and what we like. So I don't think we're going to get too many complaints. I don't think. Oh, see here, somebody somebody brought up. Uh, it's not as always next week. And the chat room, Corey brought up that uh, Paul Rudd was in Halloween: The Curse of Michael Myers. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then, of course, I did. Uh, <laughs> I did make a reference to uh, Pretty God Fingered, kind of just a little bit there. And of course, uh, somebody jumps in. Daddy, would you like some sausage? <laughs> Which is probably the that's only. That's re- why. That's re- why really we have a chat room, room just
1: because there's one that one person that's going to hear you.
0: That and the backwards man <laughs> will be the two endearing things from uh, from that. I'm just taking right. a look at uh, well, some well, of the other stuff. This person says, uh, "Gleaming the cube was awesome." Keep in mind, though, I haven't seen it in twenty years. I cried like a baby when the ant died. And, "Honey, I Shrunk the Kids." <laughs>
1: oh man, yep. So,
0: yeah, I mean, definitely. Uh, I don't know, now I just want to go watch all these movies from the summer of eighty-nine.
1: All right, just have a start uh, with UHF. Eight, like a nineteen eighty-nine movie movie, movie marathon. Yeah, that'd be. Yeah, that would take you a while though, because there's a lot.
0: It would. I mean. And there's all-time classics on that list. Mm -hmm. There's movies that will forever stand the test of time. That's not even mentioning, like, they re-released Gone with the Wind in 1989, because that was the 50th anniversary. So, I mean, if you want to include that, and The Rescuers, which came out, because I think that was the the 20th anniversary of it. Oh, wow. So, you know, you had, like, some big re-releases, too. I don't know. Uh, oh, at a time when uh, when I was too young to actually have money to go to the movies all the time, but thank God for the video store. And what was cool, and we only have a couple minutes, but what was cool is when I, when in nineteen ninety, you know, in, in the fall of eighty nine, and in the you know going into nineteen ninety, I was in sixth grade, mm-hmm. and I had just moved to Sandwich, and a girl in my class, her family owned two video stores in town, so. You know how, like, you used to have to cover your books with, like, the brown paper bag and you'd, like, right, fold right. it and make the book cover? Well, they always got all these, like, movie poster-style book covers in for us. Oh, nice. And she'd bring them into school, so I had, like, Bill and Ted book covers. That's sweet. Like, Indiana Jones book covers. So, yeah, it was it was yeah. really cool. That's,
1: that's one thing uh, Netflix and Hulu and stuff is never going to have, that, that um, feeling of walking through... The video store. And and seeing the covers. The covers and like picking it up and reading the back. It's just not the same on your TV.
0: No, it's definitely not. And it's also uh, when they came out with the brilliant marketing of putting out Frankenhooker. Do you remember the Frankenhooker (laughs) cover? Uh, No. All right, it was a terrible movie in the 90s. But when you walked by the box, it said, press me. And you would press the button and it would be this creepy voice saying, want a date? (laughs) <laughs> so i think most people that got frankenhooker that's, only got it because that's the marketing. box
1: talked It's great marketing
0: oh uh, i i really wish that there were still video stores because i would uh, like literally i would spend three hours in there trying right. to decide what movie i would spend more time in there deciding what movie than it
1: took me to watch the movie you felt like so like you made the right choices when you left the video store too you had like i would always get three. yep but um i would always be like really confident i'd be like this is and this is going to be a good night, you know?
0: And even if it wasn't, if you only paid a couple of bucks. Yeah. It wasn't like going to the movies. And, uh, and then you could go there and buy stuff on clearance and, oh, my God.
1: Right. Like, there was a little bit of buildup. Now, like, when you watch something streaming online, it's like you start it and then you're like, "Yeah, oh, this sucks. I'm going to change it. We're going to have some issues here
0: because somehow the computer already went into control Monday. Yikes. So let me just,
1: uh... What? <clears throat> That means we have an extra couple of minutes of the show.
0: Oh, the yeah, we're, we're, we've got problems. We've got all kinds of problems. Let's see if I can change that. This is uh, not what people want to hear, too, by the way. when, when the and then All right, there we go. We close it out. All right, so I, th- I think we should survive this okay. Huh. I think they'll allow us to come back next week when our guest will be Ken Gerhardt. We'll be talking about the Jersey Devil and other strange and unusual cryptids. So come on back for that. And uh, until then, you can find us online. Until then, stay spooktacular, everybody. See you next week.